You Complete Me, the show where we discuss American propaganda and decide if it's entertaining or not. I'm your host, Crystal, and with me as always is Luke. More than ever, you had me at hello. Usually we talk about superhero movies yeah. in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, this right. week we decided to watch a horror movie, uh, Jerry <laughs> Maguire. Luke, what is your um, history and relationship with the film Jerry Maguire? My history and relationship with it is that I've never seen it until today. Uh, I've always heard it, like... I feel like in my head I can very clearly hear the one uh, movie trailer guy. Not the, like, really deep voice like Don LaFontaine, but, like, the the rom-com guy being like, Jerry Maguire. I don't know why that's just burned into my brain. It feels just a movie people were all the time talking about for years and years. I never watched it, though. Uh, And then today I watched it and I thought, oh. Oh, it was all right. Uh, and it sounds like maybe you have a much uh, worse opinion about it than I do. Yeah, um, I, I, the only thing I knew about this movie were like the lines that everyone quotes. You got, sure. you complete me, you had me at hello, show me the money. Yeah. I knew it was about like a sports agent. Right. I didn't know anything else. So I didn't really know where this one was going. Like even with a Marvel movie I haven't seen, I can guess where it's going. Right, right, right. But th- the first, you know, third or so the song was like yeah this is like a nice charming romantic comedy i really like the actors are giving a good performance and then as it just went on i liked it less and less and less and less all right this is gonna be fun i can't wait for you to convince me that this movie is appalling <laughs> yeah I, I just finished watching this movie like 15 minutes ago and, and i'm still kind of like processing what i've seen i'm trying to i'm trying to think back to like the culture of the 90s uh-huh, yeah. Well, yeah, the, the Berlin Wall has recently fallen, and yet the Twin Towers are still erected. So you're you're in a period of unparalleled optimism? The Berlin Wall has fallen, the Twin Towers still stand, it is a time of monsters. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah I, I would say this era was characterized by, like, a lot of, um... Like optimism, a lot of uh, the end of history type sure. ideology. Definitely. Uh, things that thing, things are gonna work out better in the future. The next millennium is gonna be the great millennium of peace and prosperity. Right. Yeah. Bill Clinton's here to say, hey, what if uh, Democrats also fucked over poor people? Uh, what if they were nice about it though? <laughs> right. It's <laughs> kind of what this movie is about. I guess a little bit? The intro narration of this movie is strange. Tell me about the intro narration. Where it just opens on the Earth as Jerry Maguire's uh, name in, like, handwritten font is pasted across it as he's like, the world's got six billion people in it. That's too many. Let's look at America, the most important country. (laughs) 
When he was a kid, there were three billion people. Now we're almost at eight. Yeah, it's hard to keep up. There, that's better. That's America. We set the tone for the rest of the world. <laughs> yeah, he does say that. That's not what this movie is even slightly about. Jerry Maguire is a sports agent. He works at a sports company. He represents pe people, gets some pay, takes his 10%. Yeah, we get a montage of a bunch of young athletes. He's like, oh, this person's great. This person's great. Me? I'm the guy they cut out of the photos of these great people. There's one time where the hockey player he's representing has gotten this like fourth concussion and his kid says, man, it's, it's kind of fucked up how you're like complicit in people destroying their bodies for the amusement of the country. Right, and Jerry Maguire uh, is, is like, ah, no, don't worry, it would take all of the VR troopers to beat your dad. But then the, the, it weighs on him. Oh, the kid says, fuck you, and it haunts him for the rest of his days. So he, uh, he stays up all night, eats some pizza, and writes a, a manifesto about how agents start caring about people, not just care about the money. Yeah, you're also in this montage up before he starts his manifesto is like, you're seeing bits of like, oh, he's not just representing young, uh, athletes. He's also like, now he's defending a guy who is like accused of raping a 16 year old and like a bunch of awful stuff. And he's just like, oh, fuck, I'm, I'm the bad guy from every movie. Oh, no, I don't like that. Yeah, he remembers the words of his mentor, Dickie Fox, and says he discovers the answer to what to do next, to give his life meaning, to not hate yeah. his place in the world, is to have fewer clients and, you know, care about them more, care about them like they're really friends, care about their games. He works at a giant business building where business is done, and he writes a manifesto that says... What if we kept doing capitalism, but slightly less? Like, like, 10% less. And, uh, his life is, uh, ruined. It's, except it's not, even a little bit. He gets fired. That's all that happens. Yeah, he gets fired because he's not bringing in as much money, and they don't like his manifesto. He gets the kind of fired that means you still get to have your luxury apartment and seemingly make no money for months on end. And be totally fine. His, uh... Uh, not someone who works directly under him, but, like, an accountant at his office is inspired by the manifesto that he passed out everywhere. Yeah. And she, like, overhears him on the plane talking about how he proposed to his wife. It's like, oh man, I love this guy. I wish he would propose to me. Right. There's a lot of scenes in this film that are very, like, very unsubtle, but kind of charming. Like, when they're in the taxi together and he gets out and leaves. Uh -huh. And then they... they they see, like, another family with a father greeting his son, and she yes. and her son are like, oh, man, what if Jerry was our dad? <laughs> yeah. But it's, like, it, it's it's charming. Tom Cruise and Renee Zellweger yes. and also the kid give good performances. Cuba Gooding Jr. gives a good performance. Yeah, like, my main takeaway from this movie was pretty good, but now and then there was a scene that was a little too cloying. Like, when he writes his manifesto and brings it to the copy shop, and the guy behind the counter gives him, like, the Xerox of the title page, he's like, yeah, man, this is how you change the world, by putting your balls out there. <laughs> like, he is completely inspired and changed the life of this copy shop guy, and we will never see him again. 
Yeah, I, I find when they everyone at his business starts like clapping for him when he comes to work and passes out the manifesto. I kept waiting for that to like cut to reality, right? But then it didn't. Like there are a couple guys saying, "Oh, he'll be fired within a week." Yeah, it's like it 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 does a slow fade to reality instead of cutting to reality. It's like when when he's fired and he's leaving the office and he's like, "Does anyone want to come with me? Does anyone believe in anything besides money?" Like there are people who are sympathetic to them. They're just like, "Hey, I need." this stable job like i don't have a million dollars in savings like you i can't just fuck off right but renee zellweger single mom decides to fuck off because she likes jerry yeah yeah she's just completely like inspired by his he's very persnickety that you call it a mission statement and not a memo i don't know why that's the sticking point it's not it's a weird thing for him to be hung up about but he's constantly like no it's it's a mission statement as he's getting fired he um he kind of starts, like, calling all his old clients. Yeah, he has, like, one day in his office, and he's just trying to get a hold of everybody to convince them to stop uh, working with the big management company and just work for him as an independent agent. And they're all basically just like, no, fuck off. He can't get a hold of one of his big important clients, the Kush. Who's a, a kid that is, like, about to get drafted by the NFL. He's the number one draft pick. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, but he does manage to get hung up on the phone all day long with Cuba Gooding Jr. Yeah, Rod Tidwell, who is really invested in sticking with Jerry Maguire for reasons I don't really understand. That is the most baffling part of this to me. I don't understand why Rod is so, like, committed to Jerry this whole time. I think maybe it's just because... Jerry is a sniveling little loser, and uh, Rod likes that he can push him around. But, like, he doesn't really push him around. Like, he does friendly banter with him. He really wants to be his friend and invest it in his life and give him, like, relationship advice. Yeah, you're right, but it's also, like, the moments where, like, Jerry breaks down and just starts, like, pleading with him to help. He, like, just laughs. He's like, ah, that's why I like you. The the scene in the showers where he's, like, butt naked and all sweaty and Jerry is, like, begging him to work with him. It was kind of drenched in sexual tension for me. Uh, I don't know. I I can't imagine why. (laughs) (laughs) Do NFL players spend this much time having, like, important business conversations while naked in real life? Yeah, I don't know. They definitely show a lot of Cuba Gooding Jr.'s ass in this movie. They sure do. <laughs> it's a weird movie. Yeah, like, the the only one of his old clients that stick with him are Cushman, who he doesn't have, like, a real contract with. He has, like... Right, his dad is kind of, like, helping to manage him because he's, you know, coming, I guess, right out of high school or maybe college. And he's just like, yeah, now, I don't like doing contracts, but you've got my word, which is solid as oak. Should like doing contracts. Contracts are good. <laughs> I would also think that Jerry Maguire, as a slick, cool guy businessman, would uh, know better than, than to do that. Yeah, but he's not trying to be a slick, cool guy businessman. He's trying to be everyone's friend now. Right, right. That's right. He's learned that being a slick, cool guy businessman is uh, a hollow existence and that he just needs to do the same job but be nicer about it. Yeah, just... <laughs> So his two um, clients are now Ron Tidwell and Cushman, and the Cushman thing kind of, he mostly focuses on Cushman because he's like the big draft pick, and Rod Tidwell is like kind of an up-and-coming guy who doesn't get enough attention from Jerry. Yeah. And he's he's bitter about it. Rightfully so, I would think. Because even as, as Jerry's trying to do his new take on agenting, where he's going to pay a lot of personal attention to everyone, he only has two clients, and he spends nine 90% of his time on the one guy. Right, because that's the guy that will make him money. 
Yeah. Um, also, we should mention that um, Dorothy, the accountant who is smitten with him, uh, has a little five-year-old boy. And the one of the weirder parts of this movie to me is that Jerry Maguire does not fall in love with Dorothy. He falls in love with this five-year-old child. Not in like, <laughs> like, he just wants to be this boy's dad. He's definitely more invested in being his dad than Dorothy's white husband. Even Dorothy recognizes this. He's like, she's like, yeah, I've met this guy and he loves my son and he likes me a lot. Even <laughs> fucking Rod recognizes that. He's like, are, are you uh, shoplifting the pooty? Is that what that means? Yeah, that's what he's talking about. I was like, are you just trying to like, are you being a husband just so you can be this kid's dad? I thought that meant, are you, like, just trying to, like, have sex with this g- lady with no intention of, like, a serious relationship? Oh, maybe. I don't know. That I, I, I don't know. more as, like, he seems way too invested in this kid and not... It's bizarre! <laughs> like, he's kind of creeped out by the kid the first time they meet. Not because the kid's creepy, but just because he's like, oh, kids, uh. But by the second time they meet, he, like, looks this child in the eye and is like, I want to be your father. <laughs> Yeah, Rod says, a real man does not shoplift the pootie from a single mom. Yeah. But I read that as, like, taking her kid away from her. I don't know, because the whole conversation was about how, like, single moms don't date. They've, they've been to the circus. Like, basically, it's like single moms want a serious, like, someone to help them raise their family. And you, you don't, like, have a one-night stand with a single mom. I mean, you can. Yeah. Like, I think it's fine for a single mom to casually date. But also, this single mom is definitely not interested in casually dating. Yeah. The character I relate most to this film is Dorothy's sister, Laurel. <laughs> Who just hates everyone. Well, she's, she's like, kind of charmed by Jerry in the way that I also am. It's like, yeah, his performance is charming, but she's also like, man... I'm really worried about my sister. This relationship seems like bad news. Yeah, her thing isn't even that, like, he's a bad guy. It's, uh, he's an emotional wreck, and he is is just, like, desperate for anybody to, like, fix him. Just stay away from him. His life is falling apart, and you're gonna get caught in, like, the blast radius. Yeah, Jerry's whole thing is about kind of uh, blurring the lines between relationships. Yeah, I guess so. Because, like, he can't just have a professional relationship with his client. He also needs to be their best friend. Right. And he can't just have a, a secretary. He has to also marry her. Yeah. We should say we're kind of, like, zooming through this movie right now and going out of order a bit. Uh, Jerry is engaged at the beginning of this movie. That's right. They, they're they kind of mean to his uh, ex for no reason. I don't know. His, his ex seems kind of mean for no reason. But, like, she's introduced, like, he has a conversation with some woman on the plane about her. It's a whole thing where, like, he, w- he had the, like, ring in his pocket ready to propose to her. And uh, then, like, before he can, she basically, like, yells at him to shit or get off the pot. Oh, Dorothy says some line about whoever snagged him must be some classy babe. And then it cuts to to his fiance Avery and Jerry having like passionate sex. And it yeah. seems like weirdly judgmental of her. Like, oh, she's not a classy babe because she enjoys having sex with her fiance. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I think overall they paint a, a pretty unflattering portrait of this person. But you're right that this particular moment is like, well, this isn't one of the reasons she's bad. Yeah, basically, she breaks up with him because she doesn't want to do this ethical agent bullshit that he's on about. Well, it's because he ends up losing the big client uh, who drops him for his like rival that fired him and uh he's like looking out for 
any amount of emotional support from his fiance, and she's like, no, fuck you, you fucked up, idiot. So he dumps her, and then she beats the shit out of him, and I'm pretty sure Tom Cruise gets a boner from getting beat up. That's true, she does, she hits him, like, several times. It was... Yeah, she's an abusive woman. Like, I understand what you're saying, that they're weirdly judgmental about, like, her having sex, but also she's not a good person. Yeah, she does suck. She did hit him, like five times and then he falls down on his back and maybe it's his pants wrinkling weird but it looks like he is fully erect <laughs> he's fully erect from getting hit by his ex like do you know what i'm talking about yeah or you just no yeah I, I see what you mean i'm looking at Can it. we make that the the podcast art <laughs> <laughs> fully erect after getting hit sure. yeah i just screenshot it <laughs> So now he's, I guess, running his own small business with Dorothy as a secretary. And yes. now this, he only has one client left. It's uh, it's Rod, so he's got to focus all his time on him. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, yeah. Ooh. Because <laughs> you know at first it looks like a wrinkle, but then he reaches down and like kind of straightens out his pants and it, the bulge is still there. That is, that is a boner. That is an erection. <laughs> B- bizarre choice to have Tom Cruise get... Uh, furiously erect and being beat up, and also to not comment on it at all. Uh, after he breaks up with Avery, Dorothy invites him over to his house for some reason, because he can't be alone, I guess. Right, it's a thing, like, he has a bachelor party at the beginning, and his friends, like, set up a video thing where it's just, they interviewed all of his ex-girlfriends so that they can all shit on him at his bachelor party? This is something people do, they refer this as a, to a bachelor film later in the movie, and it's like, is this the thing? It can't be, right? I don't know. It would take so much work to set that up. I don't know. Maybe it's a thing shitty rich people do, I don't know. But yeah, all of his girlfriends are giving this whole, like, thing about how, oh, he's great at friendship, but he's incapable of intimacy, but also he can't ever be alone. He can't be alone with himself. And he's just standing there watching this as every woman he's ever dated, uh, just humiliates him in front of all of his friends and co-workers. What is this movie? This movie's bizarre. Uh, yeah, so he has a conversation with Rod, where Rod tells him, like, listen, I, my body's gonna break down from doing this in, like, five years. Right, so in that five years, I have to make enough money to, like, support my family for the rest of my life. And it seems like he can get him a deal for, like, ten million for four years. Right. And he wants more than that. Yes. So he's, he's gonna work on that. Meanwhile, he's so depressed that Dorothy invites him over to drink at her house, at her sister's house. But he's already drunk when he shows up. Yep. I do like the comedy of him constantly bonking his head on the light fixture. Yeah. Uh, and then, like, yeah, uh, Dorothy and her sister Laurel leave him alone, uh, and he's just kind of sitting in the living room, and the sun comes down, and this is when he falls in love with the sun and wants to become his dad. Because they like sharing facts with each other. But, yeah, they have, like, a little game where they share facts with each other, and then also Jerry just starts unloading his life <laughs> on this little boy who does not care. But he's just like, oh. I just, I have so many things to say and nobody who will listen. (laughs) (laughs) I like the end of the scene when the kid's running away so he doesn't get caught. He's like, hey, thanks for listening to me, Roy. You're welcome. (laughs) The kid's cute. He's funny. Yeah, cute kid. I also like, I'm I'm just going through it. I like when he gets fired that he steals the fish out of the aquarium at the office. 
Yeah, it's like he's the fish. It's symbolism, Luke. I see, I see. Uh, Another thing about Laurel, her character, is that she got divorced and she holds a support group for divorced women, which is never, like, directly criticized, but I don't think the film has a high opinion of these women. Yeah, there's there's a lot of weirdly judgmental things going on in this house. There's, like, the divorce group who are kind of portrayed as, like, ah, they're just shrews who complain all the time. Yeah, it's like, oh, oh, these, yeah... the feminists, they're just mad because they can't get a man. There's uh, the, the au pair who lives in the house and takes care of the kid. Yeah, who is, gets, like, fussy when he's called a nanny. And, like, yeah, he's a, I don't know, he's a child care professional who would, like, seems like a perfectly fine dude. Except that when Jerry comes, like, li- a little later on when they start dating and he catches him on the way out the door and he insists that they listen to his jazz tape while they fuck. Okay. Everyone in this movie is weird. Well, it seems like initially he was going to give him a condom, and then Tom Cruise yes. is like, no, no, no. It's like, well, I, why not? I'd feel odd if uh, a stranger I don't know gave me a condom. Well, you know, maybe Tom Cruise doesn't have one. Maybe Dorothy doesn't have any. He, sure. just, wants, he just wants his boss to be safe. Right. Well, except he doesn't. He just wants to make sure she has a jazzy fuck. <laughs> He pulls out a jazz tape and just goes on a whole, like, diatribe about, like, oh, yeah, these these guys are the jazz legends who, like, created the only truly American art form before lounge singers ruined it. Uh-huh. I don't think uh-huh. that's true. I don't know enough about jazz to have an opinion. <laughs> There's a lot of American art forms, like superhero comic books. Sure. But Laurel, Laurel has a conversation with Dorothy about, hey, I I'm worried that you're, like, that your boss is, like, trying to fuck you. I I think this... I'm a little worried about that. Yeah. And Dorothy says, Well, he's cute, and I like him, and he's funny. So, there. Yeah. She basically is like, it's... I don't think this is literally what she says, but it's like, I'm, like, the nerdy girl at school, and the cool guy at school just is having a bad day, and he'll finally notice the nerdy girl, so leave me alone. Yeah, she's like, other... She's 26, other women her age are all out there partying, trying to land a man, but I'm, I'm just a boring mom. All the three lovers I've had over the past four years are... Which her sister points out, actually not that bad a track record. <laughs> They're all, all boring, all achingly self-sufficient, all friends of yours, I might add. And all of them run a distant second to a warm bath. But this guy, he wrote a pamphlet that I liked. Yeah! <laughs> I'm, I'm inspired by him uh, wanting to run his own small business instead of working at a large firm. Right. The one thing, I mean, we're, we're kind of dunking on this movie a lot. One thing I do like is that he has that, like, night where he realizes that he's a piece of shit and he writes his dumb pamphlet. And then, like, he has, like, that moment of, like, clarity and then immediately goes back to being a piece of shit and, like, ostensibly takes the entire movie for it to actually stick. And whether you think it actually does or not is a different story. But the idea that, like, oh, no, he still sucks. And, like, when he meets her near the beginning and she is, like, passionately, like, basically saying his pamphlet back to him, just the look of, like, disgust on his face at the idea of earnest emotions. I like that. Yeah, even as he's writing it, he's kind of saying, like, oh, man, isn't this a little sentimental? Yeah, I think so, but it's, I just gotta write it. I feel a compulsion. It's a little touchy-feely. Yeah, the, the thing that Dorothy says to her sister specifically is, other women my, I'm the oldest 26-year-old there is. Other women my age are out, like, partying and trying to get a man or keep a man. Meanwhile, I'm trying to raise a man. <laughs> I'm trying to raise a man. <laughs> the fuck is- Yeah, what does that mean? Because does she think Jerry would be a good dad? 
I, I, I think what she's no, because the point of that scene is that like her sister is telling her she's being like impractical by trying to fuck her boss, and she's like, no, eat shit. I do nothing fun ever. I'm a mom, and that takes up my entire life. Let me fuck Tom Cruise, please. Don't judge me for trying to fuck Tom Cruise. Damn it. She, she could fuck Tom Cruise while keeping her old job, right? Yeah, but I think she is also genuinely inspired by his dumb pamphlet. Yeah, even though all of his other coworkers are correct that he's like having a nervous breakdown. Right. And like, he's also correct that he is a hollow uh, facsimile of a man who just uh, like parasitically preys on other people for money. But like changing, like having a couple fewer clients isn't going to change that fact, buddy. Yeah, we'll talk about the end of this movie. (laughs) (laughs) So they get drunk. And he he ends up uh, kissing her and touching her boob, and she seems uncomfortable with that, as she should be. She is both, I, I feel like she is a mix of uncomfortable and also into it, but also right now mostly uncomfortable. Yeah, this is around the point when the movie really started to lose me. I think if he had just gone for a kiss and not a grope, she would have been happy about it. Because every time they talk about this, like, oh, this seems weird, doesn't it? This seems wrong, but aren't you kind of into it, though? Is yeah. this actually cool and good, even though it's, right. we feel like it's wrong? Yes. I feel like Clarence Thomas is a line that gets said. Yeah, they do. I feel like Clarence Thomas is what he says. Which I guess would have been like a very like contemporary reference at the time. Yeah. Weird thing to invoke. <laughs> yeah, especially if it's you're just going to say it's actually cool. Right. Uh, yeah, it, it's he would be sexually harassing his employee except she's into it. Yeah, she's, like, been into him. Right. Anyway, he goes home awkwardly. Mm-hmm. And then he kind of uh, yells at Rod in the in the showers while he's butt naked and his whole dick and balls are out. Yeah. Do you see his dick and balls in this movie? I think you do. You do not see his dick and balls. Oh, oh yeah, he covers it with his hands in the wide you shot. You might see his vagina bones. Yeah, you might see his pussy bones. <laughs> But, like, as as Jerry yells at him to, like, oh, man, you, you gotta stop being such a dick on TV. Maybe then I can get you better deals. Right. He's like, well, because you're yelling at me, now we're actually talking. Yes. Which, I kind of like that, sure. Yeah, yeah. He's like, you, you want me to dance, Jerry? I'm not gonna dance. I'm an athlete. Uh, but, yeah. The, the whole thing is that uh, Rod is a good footballsman, but he's got an attitude problem, and he's got to correct that if he wants to really become a star player who can make the big bucks. Yeah, that's kind of Jerry's only contribution as an agent, is to tell him to stop being such an asshole on TV. Right. Even though he's not really that much of an asshole. I, I don't even think it's that he's an asshole on TV. It's that, like, he... It sounds like he's, like, always having, like, drama in the locker room, which we never actually see. We just get told about. But he's always complaining that, like, oh, the the quarterback threw the ball bad, or I deserve to be making more money than other people. And Jerry's like, you gotta stop worrying about, like, not getting as much as other people. Just put your heart into it and do your best. That's... Instead of complaining so much. Why shouldn't he be worried about that? Isn't that your job, Jerry? (laughs) To get him as much money as possible? Yeah, he asked him, like, you gotta go back to how this was at the beginning, you know, when you just had a love of the game, not the money. You weren't in it for the money at the beginning, right? And it's implied, like, yeah, he was, and that's treated like a bad thing, like... Yeah, he's he's a, a worker. He is uh, working yeah. for money. That is, that is this whole thing. Did you ever have... I don't know if this was different in the 90s, but I know in the 2000s there was definitely an air of, like, 
oh man, these lazy, greedy athletes just trying to oh, get yeah. more money. For sure. Which I think, to be fair, I think this movie does nip in the bud by early on pointing out that like, yeah, I can only do this job for 10 years tops and that money has to support me the rest of my life. And like my my body will be completely destroyed through doing this through all these concussions I am getting. <laughs> right. Um. So Jerry awkwardly goes back to the office and has an awkward conversation with Dorothy about how what happened last night was wrong. But then they decide to go on a date. Yeah, it's the kind of thing where they're both like, yep, that was wrong. We shouldn't do it. Anyway, let's go on a date. Yes, date. Yes, we want to do that. Like like you said, it's they recognize that there's a fucked up like power dynamic here, but also they both want to smooch and fuck each other. So, you know, that's fine. It's like, it's weird that that power dynamic only exists in the middle of the movie. It gets like lampshade. It, it's like they knew that people would point out that it's a fucked up power dynamic, so they have to address it, but that's not actually what they want to make a movie about, so they don't do anything with it. But like, they make it worse because in the beginning she's like an accountant who works in the same office she's not working directly under him yeah. And then she is working directly under him, not even as a partner, as his employee. And then right. she go gets, then she gets a different job that she talked about earlier in the movie. Right. But it's like only in the middle of the movie when they are actively courting does this dynamic exist. So, does she ever actually get that job though? Oh, you're right. She doesn't. She just gets married to him. <laughs> She's going to go to that job and then she marries him instead. Which I also love, love the plot detail of, oh, there's some other job that I could just go do at any time with no problem. Not 90s are a wild time. Yeah, I can always get that San Diego job, she says. There's there's always going to be some job in San Diego we don't hear anything about that I can just slip right into at my convenience. Having, like, a, a long-distant relationship from Los Angeles to San Diego when Jerry is traveling all the time anyway would not even be that bad. Actually, he is traveling all the time. Who cares? He doesn't... Especially because he doesn't work, like, at an office really anymore. He could just... Yeah. Yeah, just... Just... Yeah. It would not be that different. Why does she have to live in Los Angeles? That's a great point that I hadn't considered. But yeah, like, they're dating. Uh, he overhears her talking to her sister after they have sex for the first time that she loves him and, like, loves him a lot. And he's just like, oh, huh. Yeah, cool. uh, she has a conversation with her sister about, oh, maybe, have you considered that maybe I'm taking advantage of him because he's, like, in a rock-bottom place and he's desperately lonely and he'll cling to anybody? Right. And I feel like this is said as, like, oh, well, maybe uh, a boss fucking is employee is kind of weird but you know she's also taking advantage of him so that cancels out right yeah <laughs> it, it doesn't actually just make it even a worse dynamic <laughs> right <laughs> yeah yeah um trying to think there's like stuff with uh they're like shooting a commercial and cuba gooding jr won't get on a camel he doesn't want to get on the camel i'll say he does seem to make jerry's job difficult at every turn <laughs> like you want him to make you money then shut the fuck up and get on the camel already yeah, he doesn't want to dance though right but he wants jerry to get him gigs but he wants to get him gigs with like pepsi and like cars but not this car commercial like yeah. he, early on he gets a gig advertising like mattresses or something he's like like, no, that's not what a star athlete does. Star athletes do sodas. Right. Which, I guess, I don't know. Well, yeah, like, his wife, who uh, has a marketing degree, uh, talks about, like, yeah, I know what the big four are. It's it's uh, soda, shoes, and I don't know, two other ones. Yeah, they both have marketing degrees. Yeah, yeah. And yet he seems to uh, despise the idea of marketing himself. I guess so. I don't know. When they're on the date, Jerry keeps insisting it's not a date. It's actually a business 
a, a business dinner. Well, he says that to like the fucking. They go to like a Mexican restaurant, and it's like a mariachi band comes to play at their table. And he's like, "Oh no, this isn't like a romantic dinner. This is more like a a business dinner." And he like gives them a big tip to make them go away, and then they come right back anyway. Yeah, to give more tips. <laughs> Do you think Jerry actually believes that? I don't think he actually believes that. No, I think he was just. I think he was just awkward about the mariachi band and wanted them to go away. The thing, the middle part of this movie strikes me as is that Cameron Crowe just kind of thinks it's hot to date your employee. Yeah. Because they get rid of that soon enough. And it's not in the beginning of the movie. It's only in this middle part. Mm -hmm. It's just like, oh, the weird fucked upness of it makes it hotter. Maybe. I think it's more just that, like, they're both into each other, but recognize that it's weird and fucked up and are just kind of like, ha, yeah, it's fucked up, but also wanna smooch you. Wanna, um, untie your dress, uh, outside in front of your door. That scene is pretty hot, though. That, that was very <laughs> sensual in a way I did not expect. Yeah. Of, like, yeah. Her, her strap falls off and he, like, slowly fixes it while kissing her body and rat- tying it back around her neck. Right. And then they fuck to the All Pairs jazz album. It's like, sure, this, if if you had another job, this would be fine. You can fuck. But then they decide right. to get married. Right. She's just like, uh, th- this business is falling apart. We only have Cuba Gooding Jr. and he's not making us any money. And uh, I've got to go get this job in Sacramento. I need medical insurance for my child. Yeah, my child who has like allergy problems. Right. But also just in general. Yeah. Would like my child to be insured. Uh, so she's got like a whole U-Haul packed up. She's presumably already been hired. And then Tom Cruise is just like, okay, but uh, we wouldn't have to pay rent at two different places if uh, we got married. Um, okay. Does Tom Cruise yeah. have health insurance? I don't know what she I mean, he like probably has a, like a Cobra plan, right? From his last place of employment. Yeah. She might not because she quit. She didn't get fired. I don't know how Cobra works. Yeah, I don't know anything about owning your own business. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, like, when you get fired, you usually get, like, a health insurance plan that, like, for, like, six months or whatever, that's the same as your old one. Yeah. Is that in the 90s? I guess I don't know. I'm yeah, not by gonna the look time up, I had uh, to worry about this, Obamacare existed. That's true, yeah. I'm not going to look up uh, fine details of the American health insurance system while trying to record a funny podcast. Uh, so Lo- the conversation with Laurel is, I'm worried that you're putting your faith in this guy who, because of the way things are going, may not have an emotional marble in his head. Guys are just right. different people when they're hanging on to the bottom rung. And Dorothy responds, so what am I, bad for taking the opportunity, Laurel? Maybe I am taking advantage. Am I a bad person? All I know is I found someone who was charming, unpopular, and not so nice to me, and he died, okay? So why should I let this guy go when everything in my body says that he is the one? Yeah, is the guy who died supposed to be, like, Tom Cruise figuratively died, or her old husband? Her old husband. Okay, that's yeah, what I thought. The I just, son mentions yeah, that was, he died. Okay. Oh, right, he does, he does, you're right. Uh, yeah. You, yeah, I, I love, <laughs> yeah, he's fucking his employee and she is emotionally manipulating a man uh, in a very precarious mental state and she she's like infatuated with him because she's inspired by his pamphlet right girl's like okay that doesn't mean you need to marry him which i think to the movie's slight credit it is like there's about a 10 minute stretch where they're like yeah getting married was a stupid fucking idea you idiots but then it ends up being good then it ends up being good because he makes a speech 
yeah, but once he overhears her say that she loves him, he just starts calling her darling. I guess they're they're officially dating now, and he starts acting like a dad to her son. Right, and they also keep like having scenes where they're hanging out with uh, Rod and his wife, and they're like, oh, oh, why can't we have what they have? They love each other so deeply. Yeah, because they, they've probably been together a lot longer than you have. Right. Also, Rod's wife, I do not know that actress's name, she has extremely pretty eyes. There's like a close-up of her face, and I'm just like, wow, she got some eyes. She's got pretty eyes. Uh, a lot of forehead kissing in this movie. Let's see, what, what kind of deal does he get, Rod? Oh, the first one that's offered to him is like $1 million for three years, which is basically a tenth of what he asked for. Yeah, he wanted 10 for four. Yeah, and he's like, goes back to the manager and is like, uh, I'm asking you to like give him a good deal as a favor to me. Like, I introduced you to your wife. Come on. And the dude's just like, fuck you. I don't like you. So what is it exactly that Jerry is offering by being a nice ethical agent? The the idea, his pitch is that he is like on call 24 hours. He's always going to be there for Rod. You know, he can focus more attention on him. But also, everyone in the industry seems to hate him and like he can't actually do any good negotiations. So it doesn't matter very much that he's giving him more attention. Because it seems like th- the benefit that Rod is getting is that Jerry is his friend. Yes. Which, sure, Jerry could be his friend and then he could also have a good agent who can actually get him paid. Right. Yeah, because the thing that Jerry actually does for Rod is give him good advice to help Rod play football better so that he's worth more money. (laughs) Yeah. But what actually happens is that he just gets injured and uses that for leverage. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, did he actually play football better? Because he's always been good as a wide receiver. He mentioned, like, oh, he broke all the records last year. Yeah, I guess that's true. But, like, it's also, like, he scores the winning touchdown in, like, like it might let Arizona go to the playoffs for the first time in forever. Like, it's a big deal. Like, all eyes are on him even before they realize he's injured and are, like, worried about him. But, like, did that happen because Jerry told them to appreciate his teammates more? I think... Th- I think we're meant to assume that, that like, yeah, Jerry told him to put his heart in the game the way he puts his heart in his marriage. And that's why he uh, nearly killed himself scoring that touchdown. Yeah. So Dorothy and Jerry rush into a marriage and they're watching like the wedding tape and Jerry seems like he's pretty stressed out and not actually that into what's happening. Right. <laughs> as they're all watching. <laughs> yeah. And then he immediately goes on the business trip because he he feels too weird about this to actually be with his wife and talk to his wife. Right. Yeah. And he yeah. So instead he yells at Rod and Rod's just like, why don't you go home to your wife instead of hanging out with me? You Like this could have been a phone call. Could have been could have been a phone call. Yeah. Uh, and eventually yeah um dorothy like they try to have this conversation in bed where she like they both say like why do you love me to each other but then the little kid comes in and uh interrupts and dorothy watches tom cruise cuddle up with her son and like there's been like five scenes at this point of like jerry starts playing with the kid and it cuts to dorothy just like smiling like oh oh what a good dad he'd be for him and it's like adorable and this scene it's like oh it starts that way and she goes wait but why is he such a good dad to my kid this is weird and uncomfortable why is he such a good dad to my kid and such a bad husband to me like even after they get divorced you still like oh you can still take my son to the zoo you can still be his father. They don't get divorced. She talks about it, and then he goes on that business trip and then comes rushing home. It's just assumed that he can continue being this child's father no matter what. Right. 
right. Yeah. It's like she talked to him like, you know what? This hasn't been fair to you. Uh, I kind of approached you when you were vulnerable and, you know, you made some brash decisions because of that. And I kind of like let you get yourself into the situation because you're Tom Cruise and I liked fucking you. But I we need to divorce because this is fucked up and bad for both of us. And he's like, wait, what about Roy? I, I don't know. You can still be friends with my four year old son, I guess. Yeah, she says you can be his friend. <laughs> what the fuck? I okay, it's the only scene where they acknowledge that it's very strange how much Jerry wants to be this random boy's dad. The fact that I knew this movie would end with you complete me really put a damper on all this. It's like, yeah, they should break up, but I know they don't. Hey, in what way does she complete him? What does that mean? Like... I would understand it if it was something where, like, they were butting heads and, like, not really getting along, but really they're, like, bringing important things out in each other. But that's not really what their dynamic is. Their dynamic is that they just like each other. Yeah. But then they rushed into, like, way too serious of a commitment way too fast. Yeah. Like, the the like the conflict, the emotional conflict set up for Jerry at the beginning is that he is incapable of being alone and, like, can't do intimacy right because he hates himself. And the way it ends is he's, like, at the big triumphant moment and then he runs home to give her an emotional speech because he hated that he had the emotional moment alone and needed to be with her for it. Why can't he have an emotional moment alone? This movie should be, they should break up and they should become better people for it and realize that, like, this relationship was a band-aid on a really deep wound. And, like, maybe, I I would even allow for them still, like, eventually getting back together, maybe after Jerry has, like, learned how to be with himself for some time. Or even if it was, like, the middle of the movie they're together and it falls apart and, like, by the end they, like, are friends. Yeah. But yeah, no, it doesn't make much sense that they end up together. But yeah, uh, I'm trying to think if we've, if there's anything else we need to touch on before we get to, like, the climax here. We've rushed, this is a two hour and twenty minute movie and this is gonna be one of our shortest episodes. Yeah, this is actually longer than most Marvel movies. Yeah, we've just, like, gone super fast through it instead of, like, like breaking down every fucking scene like we usually do. Yeah, I mean, we don't need to go beat by beat so much because they kind of repeat a lot of beats. Yeah. Like, you could probably cut this movie down, I think, at least uh, 20 minutes or so. I think you could at least get this movie down to two hours. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, what we're cutting past is, like, yeah, there's lots of fun little nuances in their performances and, like, good lines, but we're hitting the emotional beats that they're covering. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of this movie's charm is that it's just uh, talented, good-looking actors being charming at each other. They definitely very elevate the scripts with their performances. Yeah. If this was a different cast, I think it would be easier to see how much this movie fucking sucks. (laughs) I don't know if I'm willing to go all the way to it fucking sucks. I think it's got problems and is maybe not super well written, but, like, I had a good time watching it, I don't know. Yeah, I had a very good time with the first third to half of this movie. Sure. When the, the, I didn't realize that the script was gonna go where it would. Right. Uh, yeah, you're seeing, like, Cuba Gooding Jr., like, yeah, they've had this conversation where they're basically, Jerry has to go off on the road for a while, and they're like, let's just treat this like a, like a break in our marriage. Um, and meanwhile, uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. is, like, getting a CAT scan because he's getting so many head injuries. 
They, uh, I'm glad this movie tells me you don't really have to worry about that. Yeah, uh uh-huh. It's actually fine for football players to get concussions constantly. Right. Okay, here's the part of this movie that fucking drove me crazy. Uh, Jerry and Dorothy have, like, a double date with uh, Rod and his wife, whose name I don't remember, at, like, a seafood restaurant. And they just let their kids run around playing tag in the restaurant. Fucking nightmare people. Control your children. Yeah. Ooh, being a servant in that restaurant when kids are running around is not fun. It's not even, like, a joke. They're just having a conversation, and in the background, you're constantly seeing the kid actors running around tagging each other. And and then she goes into labor in the middle of that scene, which is later brings up the conversation, like, wow, we saw, like, the whole range of the human experience in that restaurant. How did you feel about that? Right, and Jerry's just like, oh, I was just hoping that uh, Rod didn't get injured so it wouldn't ruin the season. Like, this whole thing was prompted by uh, one of his client's kids telling him it's fucked up that he's complicit in athletes getting injured. Right. And he's very worried about Rod getting injured throughout this whole movie. There's like several scenes where he expresses that. But he doesn't do anything about that. Right. And on some level, there's not much that he could do as an individual agent besides get him paid really well but then what's the point of all this exactly because you could have done that before right yeah because there's also the stakes with the shitty contract he got that if he gets injured he doesn't get any money for the season right and Rod's just like well I won't get injured I'm invincible that's not true no it's not how the human body works uh but yeah they're kind of separated he goes to like the big like pre-playoff game uh to watch um Rod play and this is like the big climax of the movie basically you know, Rod's family's at home watching, they're excited, uh, and he plays, he plays his heart out, he finally plays with his heart instead of thinking about his paycheck, and then... He, he gets hit a lot, and there's a lot of scenes where his son is like, "Oh man, I'm worried about dad, and his brother's just an asshole for no reason. <laughs> yeah. It's like, ah, get, even when he's knocked unconscious, his brother's like, ah, get up, you big baby. Right, or he's like, see, I told you he was too shrimpy to play in the <laughs> NFL, he should have never done this. If it were me playing, I would simply let the tacklers bounce off of my body. Yeah. But yeah, he catches the winning touchdown uh, pass, but lands like on his head upside down. And is unconscious for like three straight minutes. Which is super bad for you. Don't worry about it. It's fine. The NFL is is ethical. Yeah, like his family is like in tears at home. He's got a whole crowd of doctors around him. Uh, and finally his eyes like flutter open as they're saying they're going to go like get a stretcher to take him to the hospital. And he's like, no, 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 no. Just let me lay here and enjoy the moment. His wife calls Jerry freaking out like, I'm, I'm sorry I was mean to you, Jerry. I need you to do something. Do anything, Jerry. Please save him. And then Jerry doesn't do anything. <laughs> What's he supposed to do? Yeah, but I feel like the movie is trying to communicate me that, oh, Jerry's relationship to Rod is is what helped him get up and be fine. But yeah, is it? You're, it's saying that the real secret sauce here was those constant cutaways to Jerry's reactions. Yeah, that's kind of what it's communicating to me visually. You're right. Is the implication that he didn't actually get hurt at all and was just laying there with his eyes closed to enjoy the, like, victory of the moment? Because then he gets up and, like, dances a jig and starts climbing up into the audience totally fine. No, I think he was just actually unconscious, but don't worry about it. It's not a big deal if players get injured like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he gets a lot of attention from getting up, getting the winning plan, dancing his jig, and now they can finally get him a better contract. 11.2 for, uh, for 
four years. Right, and he goes and hugs Jerry, and then, like, the bad guy agent is looking with one of his players. He's like, hey, why don't we have that kind of relationship? Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. It's like, oh, the relationship is what got him the 11.2. No, it's just that he got injured. Yeah, it's that he played played really well and like won them the an important game and got hurt doing it. And because he got hurt, he got a bunch of attention for that, and getting up and doing a jig got him even more attention, and that is what gave right. him the leverage. Right. But if if his old bad agent could have gotten him that too, probably could have gotten him even more money from that. Yeah, Jerry did not do anything here, and like his approach to a gentler, kinder agency has nothing to do with uh, Rod's victory here. He could just be Rod's friends. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Rod's certainly very invested in being his friends, even though he's he's uh, kind of a dick to him. Cannot understand. That is the biggest question mark to me in this movie is why the fuck does Rod care so much about... Because the beginning, he's like, Jerry, you suck. You got me a bad contract. You're not even working at an agency anymore. But I'll tell you something. I like you and I'm going to stay with you. Why? He's good to his wife, he says. That's the famous show me the money scene where he makes, right. he makes Jerry say, show me the money. I love black people. Yes. Oh, yeah. Also, there's a bit when he first gets fired. It's showing like a a cell phone showdown with him and the bad guy agent where they're both calling all the clients. And there's a bit where like the bad guy agent tells uh, someone on the phone like, oh, yeah, Jerry just doesn't really understand the black experience. And then it cuts to Jerry going, he said, what? I'm Mr. Black America. Like, what is what? Yeah. I mean, Cuba Gooding Jr.'s role is here to be like the black friend who helps Jerry's development. Yeah. And he's very invested in that for reasons beyond my understanding. I don't, I don't get it. But yeah, there's this huge triumphant moment. Rod's like in tears calling his wife that he's okay and everything's great. And that makes, uh, Jerry realize like, oh fuck, I... I gotta go fix my bad marriage that I shouldn't have made. And this is the part where they're judgmental of the divorce group, because now that Dorothy's kind of a divorcee, she's saying like, you know, I've been, I've been listening to you all, and all you do is complain, I've been very judgmental, and maybe you're all correct that men are the enemy, but I love them anyway. I love the enemy. I still love the enemy. <laughs> I don't understand what this dialogue is intended to convey, other than, yeah, being uh, vaguely judgmental to... Uh, uh, middle-aged divorce women that are understandably bitter. Jerry comes back and gives us his big speech about how he missed his wife. He, he wished he could have shared that big triumphant moment where his client got horribly injured with her. Yeah. And then he loves her and he wants to be with her. He says, yeah, I love you too. Let's be married again. Right. I, I like the part in this movie when Cuba Gooding Jr. gets hurt and everyone's like, oh God, what's happening? And then the TV cuts to a commercial of a bunch of CG credit cards playing football that is really fun (laughs) that's good to me there's like i feel like you could do like a reading of this movie about like money and capitalism and something i don't know if it would be coherent but like it keeps hinting at that in a way that i'm like i don't know no i think it's totally just the 90s democrat thing if we're gonna do the same thing we're gonna be we're gonna smile at you though we're gonna be a little friendly and nicer but nothing is actually changing like there's something too what i just outlined of like oh this football player gets severely wounded trying to win a a stupid game so he can support his family smash cut to a credit card commercial you know what i mean yeah 
I don't know, I, you know, I'm not really sure what the movie's trying to say. I don't know if the movie knows what it's trying to say, but I feel like it's got an idea. I, I mean, I guess just the idea that it's fucked up for people to destroy their bodies for entertainment. Yeah. But then it ends with, no, don't worry, it's fine. And actually him getting really interdramatically this way helped him out in the end. Yeah, that's the thing, right? Like, there's a lot of those little things about, like, how money is fucked up. But there's actually no portrayed consequences to that. Like, Rod is totally fine after landing on his head. No long-lasting consequences. Even that hockey player, you know, we don't see that there's any long-lasting consequences for him. Uh, Jerry loses his job and appears to have no real problem with his income because he was already a rich asshole. Uh, Dorothy loses her job, or, you know, quits her job, but, you know, has no negative consequences from that despite being a single mom and also has some other job she can just go do at any time she feels like. There's no actual, like, money is not an actual pressure on any of the people in this movie. So the ways that it's about, like, how, like, money and business and capitalism are bad is just very distant and abstract. Yeah, the big victory is he got 12% more than he wanted. Right. He got more money. That's that's a good thing. He got $11 million instead of $10 million. He wanted 10 he got 11.2. Yeah. Thanks, Jerry. Thanks, Jerry Maguire. But, uh, yeah, and then the button on the movie is that it turns out the five-year-old kid might be good at baseball when he grows up. Now he can destroy his body for entertainment. Well, you know, I, well, baseball players at least don't get injured as much as football players. Uh, pitchers' arms get pretty fucked up. Do they? I guess I don't really know. They just don't have 300-pound men slamming into them every day. Yeah. <sighs> Closing thoughts about the film, Luke? I think if you think about it the way we... <laughs> have yeah this movie's kind of stupid and bad but also again i enjoyed my time with it i feel like i had a better time watching this movie than i have most of the films we've covered on this show i don't know i might rate this one on the lower end yeah because marvel movies are fucked up and fascist even grading on a curve for superheroes but i feel like it's a little easier to remove yourself with how fantastical they are sure this is just like a realistic story about real people who get injured in real ways that you could watch on tv any day yeah no you're right that that definitely and it's weird that the movie invokes that at the beginning and the end but also isn't really about that yeah it, it invokes it in the same way that say a democratic politician might invoke a problem and then smile yeah. and get you a 12 percent uh, adjustment yeah yeah you're, you're definitely convincing me to like the movie less than i did when i watched it i still at the end of the day it was talented charming actors being charming and talented at each other and you know that's that's only going to be so unpleasant to watch. Yeah, the performances are good. There's a reason Cuba Gooding Jr. won an award for this one. Yeah. If you want to send questions, you can send them to, uh, you can send emails to mcucompleteme at gmail.com. Yeah, what do we got? Ty asks, what drives Tom Cruise? What broke in him that made him need to hang off planes and get fired into space instead of using trained stunt guys like a normal person? Hmm. What do you think? I remember in the 2000s, there was a whole thing about, oh man, Tom Cruise, he's so crazy, isn't he? Look at him jumping up on the couch and he's a Scientologist man. Yeah. But then it seems like his PR agents kind of 
fix that. But now his thing is, oh man, look at him actually hanging off a fucking plane for this Mission Impossible movie. Right. So maybe whatever, maybe those two things are connected, but they just manifest differently now. I could definitely see that, you know, and this is all just speculating on the mental state of a man I've never met and most likely never will meet. But like, it could also just be a thing of for decades, he was like the image of the perfect man. And now he's getting older and he needs to do more and more extreme stuff to like still be like the coolest guy on earth. It's it's the it's the actor quote of like David Blaine freezing himself in a cable car for 50 hours or whatever the fuck. You know what I mean? Yeah, he definitely does a lot more action these days. He's not as much in romantic comedies anymore. He's uh he's Mission Impossible, he's Jack Reacher, he's Top Gun 2. I don't know if he's still Jack Reacher. I feel like that was an experiment that stopped after the second movie. Yeah, but the second movie came out like a few years ago. 2016. Yeah, I feel like if there there was going to be a Jack Reacher 3, there would have been already. They made money. Uh, yeah, but like no one liked Jack Reacher 2, I thought. I, I don't know anything about Jack Reacher. I thought people kind of liked the first one, and then the second one came out, and they're like, oh, never mind. The only thing I know about Jack Reacher is all the Jack Reacher heads said like, well, in the novels, Jack Reacher's like a tall blonde man, but Tom Cruise is short and has dark hair. Right. I don't know, I don't know what drives Tom Cruise to attach himself to an airplane. Maybe it's just fun. It might be fun. Um, Bigger challenge asks... Are you aware of everything as terrible's effort to collect all VHS tapes of Jerry Maguire, construct a pyramid in the California desert out of them, and seal the rest in there for the rest of time? What singular movie would you give this treatment to? I was only aware of it because people brought it to our attention. Uh, why are they doing this? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I guess as a bit. Okay, I'm sure it's very funny for them. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they enjoy themselves like Tom Cruise attaching himself to an airplane. I'm on jerrymaguirepyramid.com right now. I think building Jerry Maguire Pyramid and attaching yourself on an airplane are like on the same spectrum of action. <laughs> sure, yeah. Uh, let's see. I just want to, I, I want the why, not the how, not the what. They will not give you the why. Over the last seven years, everything is terrible, has amassed the world's largest collection of Jerry Maguire VHS tapes. This absurd piece of long-form performance art has been achieved solely through fan donations with a current total of over 15,000 once-beloved videotapes. There have only been three public viewings of the full collection. The Jerry Throne at the Cine Family, the Jerry Temple at Perform Chinatown, and the Jerry Maguire Video Store at I Am 8-Bit Gallery. Experiencing thousands of Jerry's finally reunited will forever destroy the viewer's previous perception of culture, waste, and existence as a whole. The Jerry's are a beautiful thing and should be enjoyed by all. Co-creator Dimitri Simakis was asked by Vice about the importance of the specific movie. He said, Absolutely nothing, and I think that's the point. Jerry Maguire is a movie version of a piece of white paper, and yet at every thrift shop, every flea market, and every fledging video store has a disturbing amount of Jerry Maguire tapes. They're like these perfectly ripe cherry tomatoes that you see from a mile away, and you can't help but notice a pattern. It's just supposed to like highlight the waste of producing so many videotapes of this stupid movie? I guess so. Okay. Alright, I mean, listen, I'm not gonna criticize someone for overcommitting to a stupid bitch. <laughs> Sure. I watched every Marvel movie. Morgan asks, when will Cuba Gooding Jr. appear in an MCU film tying the franchises together? Or what would Stan Lee's cameo be in Jerry Maguire? <laughs> 
I feel like Stanley would be like a guy at a bar who gives relationship advice to Jerry. Yeah. Or he'd be like when they're at the Mexican restaurant, he'd be at another table being like, ah, young love. No, here's what it would be. He tips the mariachi band to leave them alone. And then it cuts to Stan Lee giving them an even bigger tip. No, no, they want to hear something. Play for them. (laughs) Yes, that's perfect. They just don't realize it That's exactly what it would be. (laughs) Who would Cuba Gooding Jr. be in a Marvel movie? to think i don't know if i know marvel well enough to have a good guess here blue marvel who is blue marvel he's a, he's a guy okay you heard it here first kirk cuba gooding jr rumored to play blue marvel he didn't join the illuminati even though he's a smart guy because he thought the illuminati was fucked up okay okay that's all i know about it gotcha i like that uh jerry Maguire's speech at the end uh his impassioned speech to get his wife back like it makes no sense in his meandering but it doesn't matter because he had her at hello yeah he did have her at hello because she just thinks she's he's cute and inspiring Right. He showed up to her house crying, and that's all it took. He's like, we live in a cynical, cynical world, and the business we're in has a lot of tough competitors, but I love you. Shut up. You have yet hello. Ty asks, this is kind of a sports movie. Do you have any cool sports movies that you unexpectedly like? If there was an MCU sports movie, who should be the main characters and plot be? Mm-hmm. What What are your sports movies, Crystal? Sports movies. They're Space Jam, of course. I remember being a big fan of Adam Sandler's The Youngest Longest Yard. I don't know if that would hold up. Sure, I'm gonna guess it doesn't. Probably not. I should watch the original version of that. It's probably better. Uh-huh. Uh, I... Okay, my actual answer for, like, what is traditionally thought of as a sports movie, Rocky's a good movie. I like that movie. Yeah. I've seen Rocky 1, 2, and 3. Rocky 1's worth watching. I've seen Rocky 3, 6... Creed and Creed 2. I have heard Creed's good. Creed's a great movie, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, sh- I should watch that. Um, My bullshit answer is Real Steel. Great fucking movie. Is that the one with the rock and sock and robots? Yeah. It's the one about uh, a dad and his kid have to reconnect through the exquisite art of robot boxing. Yeah, that sounds like a good movie. That's a movie that you see like in a bargain bin at Walmart. And you're like, what is this dumb bullshit? And then you watch it and it's actually great. You know what Jerry Maguire reminds me of now that I think about it? It's uh. like a prequel to a sad dad game. Like In 10 <laughs> years, Jerry Maguire is going to be Joel from The Last of Us. Yeah. Where he's really invested in this kid, but hates his wife. I was gonna say, this movie is almost... Like, the first act of this movie has a lot of crossover with the first act of Iron Man. Yeah, kind of. Except instead of getting uh, kidnapped by terrorists, he gets fired. Yeah, but then he still goes on, like, this egotistical, self-absorbed trip that doesn't really change anything. But what I'll say, you're right, but I think the emotional arc of this movie still pays off way better than Iron Man. Because this movie, he just fails and fails and fails and then succeeds at the end. And like you said, if you nitpick it, he doesn't actually do anything. But the movie makes you feel like it's a win. Whereas Iron Man just wins right out of the gate and keeps winning. I think I think the the scene where Tony Stark has a heart and that's what saves him is better than the romance in this movie. You might be right. I didn't re- I didn't care for the romance in this movie. Yeah. Oh, he also fucks his, his employee in that movie. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's very similar. What would be an MCU sports movie? Oh, it would be they they have like a fun setup for like a soccer tournament or something, but then um Galactus shows up and they all have to make a bunch of sacrifices to save the world 
world and it's not actually any fun to watch. What if it was just like Avengers versus Justice League? They play basketball. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that sounds like a good movie and therefore I don't believe it would get made. What if it was like uh, East Coast Avengers versus West Coast Avengers and they play basketball? What if it was uh, aliens are going to destroy the Earth unless they win in a basketball game? You're kind of just getting making your way over to Space Jam. <laughs> Yeah. How do you feel about Space Jam A New Legacy? Um, it really does feel like every Warner Brothers movie is an advertisement now. I know the original Space Jam was that too, but like... Right. The fucking Clockwork Orange guys being there is... Uh-huh. is like, oh, this is just an IP we own. Don't worry about the context of it. Yeah, I was talking about this with Ashley uh, yesterday, is that, like, the thing about Space Jam is that it's a shitty kids movie that everybody saw when they were kids because it was just, like, marketed to Helen back. And so we all have this weird kind of, like, half-ironic affection for it. But they can't make a movie that actually plays into that because that would require them to acknowledge that their movie is stupid and bad. But they also can't just make another Space Jam that's just, like, another shitty kids movie that they market a lot they gotta sell it as like oh this is a big event all the warner brothers properties are finally together at last like it's this oh it's it's gonna be like avengers times a thousand you don't even know and like that kills any charm it could possibly have i I think it would be fun if they just made a straight up we're doing space jam again this time with lebron james but instead it's like you aren't you can't be ready for Space Jam 2. Yeah, every movie is an event movie now. It, it's got to be the kind of movie that like as soon as it comes out there's five YouTube videos of like 20 things you missed about Space Jam a new legacy. Uh, yeah. So that I keep wanting to start a website that's stupid kick clickbait articles like that. <laughs> and just make up bullshit about my sources tell me what's in the next Marvel movie. You floated this idea before and I volunteered to be the guy that explains the endings of movies that are very straightforward and easy to understand. (laughs) Explain Twin Peaks to me. (laughs) Maxi asks, is Jerry Maguire better or worse than Say Anything or Risky Business? Have you seen those I have not seen Say Anything. Have you seen Risky Business? I have seen Risky Business, but it's been a long time. What's that movie about? That movie is like, what if Ferris Bueller's Day Out, but it's Tom Cruise instead of uh, Ferris. Oh, okay. It's like his parents are out of town, and like, so he is just like a cool teen, and he like has cool teen parties, and ends up like, as a pimp somehow? And he has like a romantic relationship with a sex worker? Okay. It really goes off the rails. Is it better than Jerry Maguire? Hmm. I'm gonna... My gut says no. I believe you. (laughs) But again, it's been a long time since I've watched that movie. AJ asks, remember when that fucking kid from Jerry Maguire was everywhere and gonna be a big fucking star? What happened to him? He's in a, um... Stuart Little. Oh, is he? Okay. Yeah. I remember in Stuart Little 2, he really loved playing his Sony PlayStation 2. Okay, okay. Yeah, I, I can visualize that in my head. You're right. One thing I learned is that uh, the kid that tells Jerry Maguire to fuck off at the start of this movie is Drake of Drake and Josh fame. Holy shit, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> Spider-Man himself. Uh. Alex asks, is jazz the only, is jazz truly the only American art form as theorized by Chad the Nanny? No, there's also barbecue. Is that true? I think barbecue is an American invention. There's barbecue, there's rock and roll, there's R&B, there's hip hop. Yep. There's a lot of them. America makes a lot of stuff. Yeah. Eli Smith asks, is Tom Cruise hot? Uh, he's not exactly my type, but he's charming to watch. Yeah, he is like, if you tell me to uh, imagine a handsome man, he's basically the template of that. And finally, we have an email. 
from Maltesh. They reference, you want the conversation we had before where I wanted Greta to have shot first and killed Han, and explains that that's exactly how it happens in the Darths and Droids webcomic, which treats the Star Wars movies as an ongoing RPG campaign. I have read that webcomic. And we get to episode four. One of the PCs is a human named Greedo, who along with his compatriot, the Wookiee Chewbacca, made a deal with Luke and Kenobi for transport out of Mos Eisley. But Greedo doesn't have a ship, so they attempt to negotiate with the Rodian Han Solo to book passage on his ship and have Han pretend that Greedo is the captain. Negotiations go badly. Greedo shoots Han and steals the ship and his name. See, that sounds like a better movie. What? What is this called? Like, when were we talking about this? Ooh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Oh, okay. That was months ago. I don't remember anything about that. Anyway, yeah, I've read Darts and Droids. Uh, that's a fun webcomic. It's a funny, you know, concept. But if Han Solo wasn't a human, but a funny little, like, alien guy, and he kissed Leia, mm-hmm. I think that would be a better film. Sure. That's all we have to say about Jarence McGuire. All right. Yeah, Gary Majire. Gary Majire. Uh, what grade would you give this bad film? Make it low. <laughs> I said I was basically entertained I agree with I, I don't really have any disagreements with any of your complaints about it but I was mostly entertained by it I'd go like C plus is this how you feel watching Marvel movies Oh, oh, how you feel now? Yes. Yeah, just smoldering angry most of the time? Absolutely. I didn't, I didn't expect... I thought I would like this film. Yeah, I, I thought going into this, we're picking, like, oh, a grown-up movie for grown-ups about, like, real adults and relationship issues. This is gonna be such a breath of fresh air after these dumb Marvel movies for babies. I was totally prepared for that, but then I came off this feeling worse than even the bad past few Marvel movies. You think this is like better than like worse than Endgame? Um, I don't know. Let me think about it. It's closer than than I expected. I I would rather rewatch this movie than rewatch most MCU movies. This movie's not short though. Neither are most of the MCU movies. It's longer than most of them. They're all still too long though. Yeah. Endgame. What did Endgame? What's your grade? Let's get that out of the way first. I think I gave Endgame like a D minus or an F. And what's your grade of Jerry Maguire? Like C plus. C plus. Okay. I'm going to be lower than that. Yeah. Is it worse than Endgame? What's the good things about Endgame? Uh, the time travel stuff is kind of fun. It's kind of a fun, like, anti-climax when, like, they just murder Thanos right at the start. Yeah, the first hour of that movie's all right. First hour of that movie's all right. Second hour of that movie is okay. And then there's an hour of n- garbage. <sighs> I don't know. I think it might be worse than Endgame. <laughs> Really? I don't know if I if I was I I have not failed a single movie so far, not even in game. Yeah. Is this a failure if a student turned this in? Would I not let them pass my class? I feel like if I am thinking about it from like the the perspective of everything you said, this seems like a solid D. Like they they did put effort into it. They tried. Like they they have things that they did well, but the writing is just a mess, and it needs severe like rework to make good. Yeah, I guess my my conclusion would be I really hate this script but they executed it like as well as they could yeah i do like watching the people right i'll talk myself up to a d sure or even a d minus if you want to like put it on the same level as endgame but rank it lower yeah i'll I'll tie it with endgame okay whereas i tied it with iron man which sounds right to me yeah it's the same movie as iron man it's the same movie as iron man iron man's remake of jerry mcguire absolutely now see if they had the evil agent like poison jerry Maguire and then give him an evil speech and then take his pizza i think that would have improved the film <laughs> if the bad agent had taken jerry's pizza i would like the movie more <laughs> oh god bless jeff bridges <laughs>
I love him in every movie he's in. He's he's always good. What movie are we watching next time, Luke? Well, I think we talked about maybe doing Raimi Spider-Mans next. Yeah. I, I could do that. But generally, non-MCU Spider-Mans have a good track record with us, and even MCU Spider-Mans we tend to enjoy. I tend to enjoy, at least you didn't like Far From Home. No, I didn't care for it. I thought it was pretty fun. Yeah, I, I like Spider-Man 2002 a lot. I'm excited to talk about that one. I liked it a lot at the time. I rewatched it when the game came out and really liked some parts of it, and other parts I was like, ooh, this isn't... Mm. Huh. So yeah, I, I think it'll be a fun discussion. Let's end with a Tom Cruise joke. Okay, yeah, hit me. Hold on, find one that isn't terrible. Um, all these are just so mean. <laughs> oh, real quick, too. I think by the time this comes out, Black Widow will either be out or will, like, be coming out soon. I, I don't believe that. <laughs> it's coming out in, like, June, isn't it? It's set for the July. I think it will be delayed again. Okay. I mean, how do we want to handle that? Mostly, I, th I feel like we do have to watch it at some point. It's They're doing like the Disney Plus premium thing with it, though, and I do not want to pay $30 to watch no, Black don't, Widow. No, don't pay money for... I would never ask you to pay money for Black Widow, Luke. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're a true friend. We can do... Let's, let's commit to the Raimi trilogy and see how we feel after that. Okay, deal. This comes from jokesforus.com slash celebrity jokes slash Tom Cruise jokes dot HTML. Okay. I heard Tom Cruise has bad breath. He could use a few good mints. <laughs> you, you know what? My first reaction was revulsion, but then I liked it. <laughs> it was like when you eat like a stinky cheese and the smell like disgusts you, but then after it settles for a second, it's actually a rich and delicious flavor. <laughs> yeah, a few good mints. Like the movie. <laughs> a few good mints. They referenced that movie. There's some line where he's like, you can't handle the truth, like he said in that movie. Oh. <laughs> Uh, goodbye, everyone. See you in Spider-Man. Bye. I'm living in a foreign country, but I'm bound to cross the line. Beauty walks a razor's edge, someday I'll make it mine. If I could only turn back the clock to a garden her were born. Come in, she said, I'll give ya shelter from the storm. <laughs>